is the MLK Prayer Brunch, sponsored by American Family Insurance and presented by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Prayer Brunch. Um, and again, you are listening live on the new 101.7 The Truth, presented by American Family. Um, I would like to take a moment uh, to welcome our guests in attendance, as well as you who are listening um, live in Radio Land. Um, you are really, truly in for um, a treat today. We are going to hear from uh, two powerful women in uh, Denisha Tate and uh, Pastor Melva Henderson. So we are really, really looking forward to that. I want to take a, a moment also to thank uh, the Concordia leadership of Concordia for supporting this event. And again, as well as the American family who uh, truly gave us funding for the event, we wouldn't have been able to um, do this if it wasn't uh, for you. This is truly the start of an incredible, incredible partnership. Again, we are broadcasting live on WGKB 101.7 FM. Um, if you would now stand for the playing of the national anthem. Great. And if you could remain standing for the uh, singing of the Black National Anthem, which is printed in your uh, programs, if you want to sing along or read along, remain standing. Sing a song full of 
sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. All right, you know we got three stanzas, but we're just going to go with one for the day, okay? I know y'all was ready. Y'all was ready. You can have your seats. Awesome, awesome. Now we are, if you looked behind you, you will see that there is food that is out. And I know one thing, when there's food is out and people are smelling it, we want to get to eating, right? So let's do that. So let's, uh, if you can bow your heads and we're going to um, offer a prayer for the food. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for grace and mercy, Father God. We ask that you would um, bless this food for the nourishment to our bodies, that you would bless the hands that prepared it. And Father God, take anything out of it that would be harmful to our bodies. We love you, and we thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so what we're going to do, if you, um, the direction of the, um, um, the folks who are serving us today, um, they will let you know um, what table needs will be released. Okay? And then we can eat. All right. Amen? All right. is the MLK Prayer Brunch, sponsored by American Family Insurance and presented by Concordia University, Wisconsin. I'm Dr. Ken Harris, and we are here with Walter Goodman. I would try to say your title. I can, I can never remember it because it's so it's long. the director like, of the Office like of Multicultural Engagement. The director of Multicultural Engagement for Concordia University, Wisconsin. That's it. <laughs> so I need a Good job. I need a wheelbarrow <laughs> just to. And so you've you've been in that position for how long? I've been uh, doing that position for three years now. Okay, yes. and and what's been the toughest part of that job? You know, um, I would I would probably say the toughest part is really trying to strike a balance with. Um, you know, doing the work of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, at the university and just making sure that, um, you know, we strike a balance between serving the students, serving the staff, you know, serving the various uh, different things around the university. It's, it's one me. I'm an office of one. <laughs> so, you know, having okay. time to do everything and, and cover everything is, you know, is probably the toughest thing. Okay. And and what have been like give give me an example of some of your wins over the last three years. Um, I would say really uh connecting with students. It, you know, the position is really student facing. Um the biggest wins um uh, in my book are being able to connect with the student that may be um having some challenges um and working um through those challenges with the student and just seeing them um return for the semester. Um, being close to graduation, you know, a lot of our, our, our students are um, students um, of color, the ones that I that I support. 
um, being at the university where they're not the majority and coming from a place where they um, were the majority can sometimes be um, be shocking. So um, the funnest part of the job is definitely the student-facing mentoring um, that I do and connecting with students and seeing um, them work through their obstacles um, and become, you know, become successful. All right. So then being at a predominantly white institution, compounded, not not in a negative way, but compounded by being a religious institution, right. how does that, that bode for, as you call them, students of color? Because I'm, I'm thinking black, white, Hispanic, Asian, right. anyone that's not Caucasian. Sure, sure. How does, how does that weigh on them? Or, <clears throat> or even does it? Um, I would say um, it doesn't the majority of the students, because a lot of the students do come from, I don't want to say necessarily went through um, uh, religious education or schools mm -hmm. that um, had religion at the core. Um, but a number of our students, you know, they went, they went to church with Big Mom like I did. Right, you know right. what I mean? They went to church uh, with their parents and, and have some semblance of um, religion. Um, I think um, we're now, now, when we say religion, we're talking Christianity. Christianity, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, you know, our university, you know, doesn't prevent people who are non-Christian from coming to the university. Right. But I'm specifically speaking about those those kids who come with some, you know, some background, Christian background. Is is there a space for students there? I mean, you know, we we've talked, we've we've come through, we we've. We've come through George Floyd. We've come through all the issues mm -hmm. that have been over the last two or three years. Have 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 we overcome the whole George Floyd phenomenon yet? You know what? I, I think it's it depends on how you define it. Um, and if you know when you say you know overcome it, um, I'm going to define that as you know is it still um, room for some of the things to be talked about. Um, absolutely. I think as we, uh, you know, matriculate through, through this semester in time, as well as the position, um, you know, there's still room, you know, to talk about some of those, you know, issues because they're ever present. Um, and whenever we see um, situations come up where uh, students need to have a voice, um, they need to have their, their thoughts and their opinions um, uh, voiced. You know, we need to create an environment where they feel comfortable um, in, in, in doing that. And that's part of the work, you know, that my office provides is to have those conversations um, with, the, with the administrators who can um, say, you know, yeah, let, let's create a format where, where we can. So um, have we gotten over it? I don't say I would I would have to say no, uh, because there is still room and there's still, I think, opportunity um, to heal and to uh, create. Um, dialogue around the things that came out as a result of the that incident. How was the university pre-George Floyd? I would say, you know, one one of the things that we we have to realize is when um, when thing when nothing when everything is quiet and nothing is is happening, you tend to uh, be in a position where you don't feel those things have to be be talked about. So I, I would say. The university, um, you know, was fine, but in a, in a position where um, those conversations needed to be had. Uh, but when it happened, it really pushed it to the forefront. 
um, where um, we had to create those opportunities to discuss uh, those things that came out as a result of that incident. And and when you say opportunities, in in what way? Do you Just say? forums. Um, you know, sometimes I think if if something isn't being spoken of, uh, it may be looked at as 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 taboo to be able to be talked about. But uh, if it is brought to the forefront, if it is, um, if there's a workshop, you know, or a Zoom or a um, opportunity to come into a room mm-hmm. for somebody to facilitate a conversation around, you know, specific questions and how they're feeling, um, that's important. You know, I think, um, you know, making students feel, staff feel, people feel that it's okay to discuss it. You have to take the first step in, as I said, creating that forum um, and those questions and that opportunity to be able to talk about things. Is it really open to talk about those types of things? I would I would say, you know, as far as, you know, being able to uh, in a public, you know, forum, you know, there, you know, sometimes can be a feeling that, um, you know, people are scared to say certain things, scared to say, you know, certain words. So, uh, you know, yet, you know, in some cases I could say yes, in some cases I could, I could say no. But I think that, you know, when you uh, at least the people in my circle that I that I approach and I talk to, I feel very, very comfortable. And you know, nobody's looking over their shoulder saying, you know, don't say that. Don't don't do that. Right. Um, so personally, and I'm speaking for, you know, for Walter is I, I do feel comfortable okay. talking about it. OK. But what about the student in terms of needing resources who doesn't feel comfortable? Do they still have a voice at Concordia or an advocate or? When you say resources, what was the question again? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a student. I'm new. I show up. I don't know anybody. I've, I've done my, my school visit, and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Florida, Louisiana, Kentucky, wherever. Right. And now I'm here. What or where can you direct me on campus? Well, let's, let's right, do it like right. this. Case study. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ken, well, I wouldn't be Dr. Ken Harris, would I? <laughs> uh, little old Ken Harris, graduated from the eighth grade, went to high school, graduated, and now I'm choosing Concordia University. I want to play baseball, mm-hmm. and I have a high school, you know, 3.2 grade point average, and my ACT score is like a 22. Right. And I'm really good at math, but I decided Concordia is my place. And I don't mean that in a, in a but, but I mean it in terms of I've chosen Concordia. I want to play a sport. I love it. It's D3. Mm-hmm. And I visit it and I, I love that Lakeview. Right. Right. I'm here day one. Now what? Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm African-American male. Right. Okay. And I'm, and I'm okay. from a mixed school. Right. And now I'm sure. at Concordia. Sure. You know, no, again, one of the responsibilities of not only the university, but the Office of Multicultural Engagement is to let people know about the office. So marketing, you know, the things that we do and the things that we support. And part of that is is advocacy. Part of that is having a, you know, letting them know about the door that they can walk through that's 
never going to be closed, that they could come um, and, and, and sit down and talk to me about anything. Now, you know, with anybody with students, you have about 15 to 30 seconds to make a first impression. Right. You know, so. What we what we do is um, we do have a, an orientation for specifically our unlimited potential scholars, which are all students of um, color, and we do let them know that my office is there. Um, my office is often invited to uh, recruitment sessions when they have tours. You know, we're put on the calendar so that. Um, you know, parents are comfortable, students are comfortable knowing that if they have a uh, situation where they want to talk and they, they feel comfortable specifically talking to, you know, talking to me, that they can do that and that my door is going to be open for them. And so I don't have to go through the the I have to call my advisor who then will absolutely call the advisor to the advisor. No referral that's necessary. The, that's <laughs> a, well, you know how colleges can yes, be. Right? I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And trust me, you know, um, when I'm on campus and my door is open you know, you know, you can talk to Sue Canals, who is, uh, you know, a leader there, administrator there um, and sits right, you know, outside my office. Those students come in and close the door, sit down and talk. And when I'm not there, where's Walter? You know what I mean? So they're, they're looking for me, right, even right. just to say hello um, or to say, hey, to talk to, to me about life things, you know, because, you know, it is their life that's outside of school as well as their life in school that really a lot of time dictates how good they're going to do inside the classroom. What are, what are some of the, what are, what's the most upsetting thing that has occurred that made you change some things from a, from a multicultural perspective? Um, when I think about, you know, upsetting things, I, I, I've had to go real you know, sort of high level is, um, Sometimes when th things do happen outside of the university, especially in the news over the last two years, you know, heck, I, I, I had to get me a little counseling, doc, <laughs> Dr. Harris. I'm just going to be out there and be honest with you just to think about um, self-care, taking care of yourself. Sometimes, um, you know, when you come um back to school when something has happened outside of the university and you mentioned the George Floyd things, right. there's sometimes an eerie quietness, you know, um, and with that, you know, the, the assumption is that people don't care, you know, which right. sometimes can be very, very far from the truth because you know, in your circles, people right. talk to the, and, and they tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm one, I never make, uh, the assumption that because, you know, a university isn't, you know, maybe taking the lead and saying things, but my core group that I sit with and sup with and are friends with, you know, do care. So, so sometimes that, that, that could be upsetting and, okay. and tough to deal with. Okay. So the quiet can sometimes be, indifference but it can also be pins and needles yes and also and i'll add a third one to that okay. not knowing what to say right you know what fear. i mean fear, fear. exactly and, and and bottom line you know people who attend other you know universities university pwis and um 
they probably have the same, you know, similar experiences. Now, the question would be, is it our responsibility to, you know, to teach and to mentor um, around the things that, you know, we need as being the minority at in certain uh, circles in certain places? So how do is, you, it, is it our responsibility? Well, how, how do you teach them then? Uh, the ability to be able to differentiate between someone who who has an ignorance, and I don't say that in yeah. a negative mm-hmm. term, but someone that doesn't know, yeah. versus someone who is willful, sure, in, sure, in something that they may say, just just right. just may not know, right, and right. and it's taken as derogatory. What's right. how how does the office of multicultural engagement help the student? Sure. Process what they're looking at and where they are, and these are the things that are that are similar to your culture, yep. and these are some things that are not similar to your culture. Sure. And these are some sure. things you can change. And but but Concordia, being a a Lutheran Church, Missouri Center school, there are certain artifacts. Yeah, there are certain things and traditions that aren't going to change. Sure, sure. And it's not necessarily a negative. Right. right? It, it's it's their identity. Right. You know, I, I don't want to put another thing on your plate, Dr. Harris, but, brother, I call you. I got your number in my phone, okay, <laughs> on speed dial. And when I need somebody and I need somebody, number one, to lean on and not only lean on, but to help me with those conversations, mm-hmm. Dr. Harris, I'm thinking about doing X. Right. You know, and we've had this kind of, it started just like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. in your office, Dr. Harris, this is what I'm thinking. No, Walter, you might want to add this, add this. You know what? I'm going to be there with you. Or guess what? I'm going to take that piece and do it. Um, Again, I can do a lot of things, but there's some things, Mm -hmm. you know, when you when you have the enormity of the, you know, of the responsibility, you can't do everything by yourself. And you have to recognize what your network looks like and reach out to people. And create those, you know, opportunities. I know last year we did a number of Zooms and brought in guest speakers, right. invited the students. Right. Um, we invited a a, 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 a gentleman um, that uh, wrote a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, a pastor out of uh, California. Um, he came in and, and, and uh, you know, basically um, did the workshop. Would have loved to see a lot more people there, mm-hmm. but that's one of the things. Is it's a start, right? Right. You know right. what I mean. So, it, you know, the answer to your question at, at its core is really understanding who your network is and reaching out and knowing that you can't you can't do it all yourself. You know, I might ask the Dr. Harris to lead a conversation in a certain area to help me mm-hmm. um, do that. And not only that, but um, connecting with the students and letting them know about the you know, the network within the school of people that they can talk to, including me. I was talking to a student um, today, honestly, and this happened today. And I mentioned your name. I was coming to do this interview. And I love Dr. Harris. You know, he's straightforward. He gives, you know what I mean? You do your work, you know what I mean? And, you know, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a good grade. Come to class, do your work. He's a straight shooter, loving Mm -hmm. to death. You know what I mean? But. You made that connection through being an instructor, but right. there may right. be a lot of students who don't know you because they I'll never have them. You'll class. never have them at, at, as a student, but right. to be able to say, Dr. Harris, can I give them your, 
you know, your email Absolutely. or right. can they come to you? Right. Right. You know, you've had that student come to your office and mm-hmm. walk. You know, you you never seen them before. Yep. You know, yeah. it's probably because because <laughs> you me or fault. somebody around the university. But it's also yeah. the 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 way Concordia is set up where it's it's pretty open. You know, barring yeah. barring all the negative things and the racial differences and and the possible religious differences, it's pretty open school. Yep. It's yes. pretty open. Yeah. We're talking to Walter Goodwin on this MLK on the new 1017 The Truth, uh, sponsored by American Family Insurance. We want to say thank you to Walter for being here. So this year, you've got some all women. First of all, I'm upset with you and I'm mad with you because you've got all women. <laughs> and you didn't even ask me if I wanted to have nothing to do with it. We had women last year, but somehow you let them Shanghai you. <laughs> You was bamboozled, you was robbed, you was, and, and so, and so this year, the beauty of it is we have, um, both black and white women, yes. you know, coming yes. in, women of God coming in and, and putting forward a perspective that gives people understanding of the diaspora of African American is actually inclusive of women. Absolutely. Tell me about that. Absolutely. It, it definitely was, you know, I mean, I'm going to blame it on God. God put it on my heart. And that's how I start, Dr. Harris. Yeah. He put it on my heart. Yeah, he and be, this was it. He'd be, he be messing up ideas, man. <laughs> and then take them and make them better. Like, what is that about? It, it truly was that yeah. vision. And that's what I, I, I really saw. So, I mean, powerful, powerful women of God coming to bring a, a, a word. Um, I believe, you know, we, we, you know, it's not called church, but it will be, uh, I think, some powerful, powerful words that they, they will share. Um, this year's theme is we've come this far by faith. Um, we have um, Sister Melba Henderson, who will serve as our, our keynote. Um, Denise, Denisha Tate, um, coming in from Arizona. One of my uh, bosses from the Boys and Girls Club will come uh, to share, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, Diana Bell's camper who will uh, share, will be um, a mini speaker and will share uh, a word and, and, and a prayer. Um, each one of them have um, a specific area that they'll focus on. Um, uh, Melba Henderson will, will focus on the aspect of faith. Um, we will have Denisha and Diana focusing on hope and love. So faith, hope, and love will be sort of like the energy that we'll be getting on um, on Saturday. Wow. That sounds pretty powerful. And so you'll, you'll be giving away some awards too, right? Yes. We'll be giving away three awards like we did last year, the MLK Student Leadership Award. And I'm not getting an award this year? You know what? You, you get an award every day, award. man. Every no day you wow. get an award. <laughs> wow. Well, we were talking to Walter Goodwin. Now we're going to be talking to the wall. No. And, and, so, and so you've, you've, you've picked some pretty powerful people. Uh, especially the students that that have that are gonna gonna win this award, and you have two other what adults that are gonna be winning. We, we have three awards. We have a community award, MLK a mm-hmm. community leadership award. We have a MLK staff service award, mm-hmm. and we have one MLK student leadership award. And I didn't get the community award either. You know what? Who got you it? missed it by about two or three points. Who got it? But. You know, yeah. you know I, I can't announce it right now, but come there, you know, listen on Saturday and you will be there on Saturday, won't you? So all they got to do is wait another 20 minutes or so, and then they'll be able to hear it right here on the air. Right. And be able to see that's that's not fair. 
See, that's not fair. I, I, I guess they gotta wait. They gotta listen. wait. They gotta wait till Saturday. Wait and listen. Wait so, so you've you've had several positions at at Concordia yes. University where you have been able to help students understand uh, that 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 gap, as it were, from high school to college, and that some sometimes that's the roughest part of life. But you've been able them you you've you've enabled them to be able to really make it through that. Tell, yeah. tell me about the program you used to have and, and what, what has it turned into now? Well, it was the Emerging Scholars right. Program. The Emerging right. Scholars Program was a program um, that was a basically an associate's program mm -hmm. in criminal justice or business. Right. 60 credits, two years, mm -hmm. had your bachelor's program, and you could actually right. transfer that to the, you know, to the main campus. Right. Um, you know, Midtown has gone you know, has experienced some right. some upheaval and some um, some change. Right. Um, COVID, you know, really oh, sure. oh, took sure. a you know bite out of out of the program and really knocked it because the right. the great thing about the program and what really made it run was being able to go into schools and meet students face to face mm -hmm. and meet administrators face to face. When COVID sent us home for the last two years, right. Guess what I couldn't do? Right. Go into the schools. You know, yeah. It's very easy to delete an email or right. not to see an email. Right. Um, but so but that now, really difficult. But now Concordia has has flipped that. And now they've brought resources to the campus in Mequon. Right. Right. So now that same student who might do two years at a, at a, at a satellite or online right. or virtual right. can now come to the university. And what I talked about before, yeah. get those resources. Yeah. If if they come if they come to the to the university they they have access to um, all the resources that right. we talked about and services that we talked about I think that you know the university is man it, it, it's a it's one of those I don't say best kept secret it's a, it's almost a secret mm -hmm. a lot of people it don't is. It is. know about it especially in in Milwaukee um, I've had an opportunity through the um, the UPS program, Unlimited Potential Scholars program, to go out to some schools and, you know, got three or four students uh, last year from, right. you know, Milwaukee schools. And and, and, and that free, gives basically a free ride to college. Not a completely free ride. There is For me, 75%. Games. About seventy five percent is fifty percent right. free ride. I'm just saying. About seventy five percent. Which 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 is yeah. which which then makes the student accountable. Right, right. It's it's good for, to have for the yeah. for the for the student to have some. And when I talk about skin in the game, right, it is financial. Right. You know, um, you know they, you know, a free ride is everything's paid, but this is almost everything. Right. You know, about well, see, 20. that's my definition. Seventy five is free ride. Right. I don't, I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> right. But 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 really, what what we're talking about is a university that can that can assist you with your with your finances for your education, mm -hmm. assist you with your finances to a degree with your room and board. Help you get a job on campus. Help you, you know, have have a job. You know, handshake and all those things mm -hmm. they have that most other universities have. But I, but I think the the hidden part about Concordia, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is the classroom numbers are so small. With fifteen to one, right? So you get some sometimes un 
unprovoked, unneeded attention. <laughs> but but at least there's somebody there that actually cares. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think is you know classroom being small enough where student you know instructors can actually remember your name if they don't have right. ten sections. Right. So <laughs> you mean you mean it's not like Chem One Ten? No, no, no. I no. think every university in America has a Chemistry One Ten. Entry-level chemistry with, like, 250 people Right, left. right. You're not going to remember 250 <laughs> people's Absolutely. names. Absolutely. And so that's, that's one of the beauties of, of the university. And so um, what can we look forward to when, when this interview is over? What can we look forward to from the perspective of MLK? What, what are we going to, you know, we've come this, this far, far by, by faith. faith, but what, what, what can this particular program today do? for the person listening, the person attending for the next year? I really think it's, it's gonna connect. Um, and we've looked at Martin Luther King's life from a lot of different aspects, a lot of different mm -hmm. angles over the years. Um, specifically, I wanted this program and for you to walk away with being focused on that center core, what the, the, the message and the theme is, is really faith. And what that can do for you not only over time, but in your in your daily walk, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So the speakers and the messages that you're going to hear are going to really be focused on that specific dynamic. Um, and I think it will speak to you as an individual, you know, um, what you do with it, what you walk away with and what you do with it after after hearing the word is, is literally going to be up to you. But I think you're going to have a, a, a real understanding the focus of how uh, Martin Luther King's life and his walk of faith mm -hmm. really got him to where he needed to be in America to that point. You know, we're still growing, but how we can, you know, really take that same path um, and really get to some of our, our hopes and our dreams without, um, uh, you know, being, you know, frustrated, you mm -hmm. know, being downcast, being upset. <laughs> you know, um, I think that's what the message is really going to do. Has that dream been deferred? You know that. Uh, you, uh, do we have another hour? We got. We, we, we got another hour minutes. to talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I think it. It is in some semblance um, a dream deferred. When you think about what he hoped for, and one of his most famous speeches, I would encourage people to listen to not only the, you know, the I Have a Dream speech, that's what he's most known for, but he has a lot, you know, he has a library of, of speeches yes. out there. Right. Um, and if you listen to him, you will really, I think, get a better understanding of where he actually was when he was assassinated. Um um, and to be able to get those messages and use those collectively, mm -hmm. you will, you know, I think better understand what his dream really entailed and what, it, you know, what it was about. Um, I think there's, you know, times where we can say and we can look at, you know, the world and, you know, in our snapshots of life, when we see things happen mm -hmm. in our own lives on TV, so on and so forth, we can say, yeah, his dream is moving forward. You know what I mean? But then something happens that's counteractive, you know, to that dream, right. you know, and knocks it back a little bit. And even having, you know, faith in that it is still moving, you know, moving forward. You know, so um, in some instances, man, you, you know, you get that, 
you know, excitement, that bright light. But in, in some instances, you, you see it kind of backpedaling as well. Will it ever change? You know, we've come this far by faith. And if <laughs> if we understand the, the true definition of what faith is, you know, the answer has to be yes. I have to hold on to the faith that it, it, it will. You know, it's going to take conversations like this. It's going to take you and I. It's going to take, you know, allies. It's going to take our kids, our kids' kids for it to continue to move in the direction that it's supposed to. We're talking to Walter Goodwin. He is the director of the Office of Multicultural Engagement at Concordia University, Wisconsin. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dr. I appreciate Harris. it. I appreciate it. Is there anything you want to add to anyone Right now, after this, they'll they'll be hearing from our speakers and sure. hearing some powerful words. Is there anything you want to leave us with? I would just say, you know, as we commemorate and as we stop to start to think about, you know, what Martin Luther King meant to not only this nation, but to us uh, individually, um, that we make that a, you know, a, a daily meditation. You know what I mean? You know, we don't have to. You know, just talk about Martin Luther King Jr. on uh, January, you know, was it 16th that we take off, right? Right. Um, and, you know, at these banquets and things of that nature. But let's keep the conversation going and keep that, 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 that same spirit and that same meditation on a daily basis so that um, we can continue to move this agenda forward. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to the new 1017 The Truth MLK Prayer Brunch brought to you by Concordia University, Wisconsin, sponsored by American Family Insurance. Walter Goodwin, the director of multicultural engagement for Concordia University, Wisconsin, is your guest. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. Testing. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Hopefully everyone has gotten their feel. We're going to um, just take a minute now to um, um, think about one of the messages that uh, Martin Luther King shared with us um, a lot of years ago. Um, it's not hard to recognize that the life of Dr. Martin Luther King was one that was built upon his unyielding faith. Um, throughout his life, he shared a number of messages where he gave us essentially the roadmap in utilizing our faith to get us to the places unseen. Uh, messages steeped in the reality that without faith, our spirits are continually restless. I want to take a, a few minutes to share with you one of those messages. The burning of our churches will not deter us. Yes, sir. The bombing of our homes will not dissuade us. Yes, sir. The beating and killing of our clergymen and young people will not divert us. Yes, sir. The wet and release of their known murderers will not discourage us. We're on the move now. Yes, sir. Like an idea whose time has come. Yes, sir. Not even the marching of mighty armies can halt us. Yes, sir. We're moving to the land of freedom. Yes, sir. I know you're asking today, how long will it take? Somebody's asking, how long will prejudice blind the visions of men? I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, yes, sir. however frustrating the hour, it will not be long no, because truth crushed earth will rise again. Yes, sir. How long 
going up, Lord. Yes, sir. Because no lie can live forever. Yes, sir. How long? Not long. How long? Because you shall reap what you sow. Yes, sir. How long? Not long. How long? Through forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. How long? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. How long? Not long. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's traveling out the village where the grapes of wrath are stored. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Um, today's theme is we have come this far by faith and hopefully as you sit with yourself and you listen to the message that that Martin shared that you can connect some of the things that he, he spoke of and how that is that rings so true we've come this far by faith now I have the pleasure of introducing our MC. I know y'all tired of uh, listening to me, so I'm going to pass the baton um, to the MC for today. Uh, Celeste is the founder and CEO of Life Empowerment Consulting Services, which specialize in corporate training, executive coaching, and motivational speaking. Currently, she is a certified coach and a uh, training with the John Maxwell Leadership Team. Celeste was born and raised in Milwaukee and holds a Bachelor of Arts in Management and Communications with a double Master's of Business Administration in Finance and Management from Concordia University. She's cold, cold-blooded. All right, I'm just telling you. She's currently pursuing her doctorate in Strategic Management. With all these accomplishments, Celeste is most proud of being the wife of her childhood sweetheart, Sheldon Cuffey, who was here with her today. All right, Sheldon, right there, sitting right there. Um, and the mother of her two children, Alyssa and Zachary. Help me welcome your MC for this morning's program, Celeste Cuffey. Good morning, everyone. Have you all enjoyed the food so far? Have you enjoyed the fellowship so far? I am so glad to be with each and every one of you this morning as we are celebrating. And I want to thank you and welcome you to the second annual Martin Luther King Prayer Brunch. I'm honored to serve as your MC on today. And let me just be very selfish here and do a little shout out. Sheldon is my childhood sweetheart and in just a couple of months we'll be celebrating 30 years of marriage. Yes, yes, I got married at 10, but that's a different conversation. 
but I just wanted to acknowledge that as well. But I'm really excited because we are broadcasting live on the 101.7 FM WGKB, the new 101.7 The Truth. And we are all about the truth, aren't we? Now, I am so honored. What a privilege. You know, this city is not as big as we think it is, and we've been able to connect with some amazing people, and I'm so honored. It's such a privilege to introduce Miss Denisha Tate McAllister on today. Don't come up yet, girl. Let me give you your bio. Let me read about you. Denisha Tate McAllister is an award-winning leader and author with over 20 years of executive experience and go-to person for those who are up to something big. Who's up to something big today? In 2014, Denisha Tate and Associates LLC Consulting Firm was established with the focus principles of leaders lead and live love. With her team, Denisha offers services in executive coaching, strategic action planning, policy and procedure development, just to name a few. Tell somebody there's more. She is truly multi-talented. Denisha has been recognized by the Business Journal as a woman of influence, as well as by the Boys and Girls Club of America. They've also offered her, awarded her for her work in the areas of diversity and trend setting. Denisha Tate and Associates believes that everyone deserves to live life and love every moment of it. Also, she believes that leadership is a gift, a skill, and an obligation. So please help me welcome Miss Denisha Tate McGallister. She'll be offering us a message of love. Good morning, family. Good morning. That's a setup. Because you see, I'm here to have a conversation and provide a call to action. You can keep it real, <laughs> tell the truth, when you're talking to family. Good morning, family. Good morning. We've come this far by faith. When connecting the dots between the theme and love, so many things jumped out to me. Far. We've come this far by faith. That's expanse. That's the extent of your beginning point to the new point of measurement exists. That's different than progress. You can take two steps and have progressed. Far says something different. But when you think about that, We've come this far by faith is not talking about miles. Yeah, some of our families came from Mississippi and Arkansas and Africa. That's not the conversation. There's been a number of years that have passed. That is not a conversation about time either. We've come this far by faith for me is a discussion of love. I want you to really think back to when Dr. King walked this earth. Where was love? 
That's our starting measurement. When I look at where we are now, look at this room. We've come this far by faith. There was a time when men and women not dare publicly dine in the same room. Oh, no. The mixing of economics. Oh, we can go back to the Bible and talk about what was happening at mealtime. That's why we had to have some instructions around communion. Race, creed, and color. We're not talking about being uncomfortable. It was considered illegal. We've come this far by faith. So I would like to interject that the distance of measure is love. But I'm concerned because when I look at the news, when my Facebook feed flows, when I walk into some restaurants and hear the conversation at tables, I feel like as a society we are moonwalking fast back to not being able to claim far. We've come somewhere by faith, but who's going to walk around and say that? Far. And, and, and far cannot stop at the day of measurement because if you don't keep it moving, the next measurement won't be far. That's, that's the call to action. We need to continue to allow our love to grow. But I don't want to assume that we all have the same understanding of love. You see, I love to teach people, and I walk in with the assumption that we are a blank slate of nothing. So let's start from there. Because then, when you act contrary to what has been taught, I can hold you accountable. Because I know you know. Family. See, that was one of those family things. <laughs> okay. So love, Webster says love is a great interest and pleasure in something. That's at the base level. I can have interest in you. It's a pleasure to meet you. I love you. See, that's how it works. At the simplest level, love is really that easy. Now, the Greeks said, no, no, love is so much more complex than that. So they had four, four words for love. So they started where, you know, human nature and flesh will start us, eros. <laughs> yeah, see, right. That's their romantic, desire, pleasurable, my boo thing. Love, eros, okay? <laughs> but then we have philia. We even have a city down that path. That is a connection between two, brotherly love. Imagine if we just took that step, brotherly love. Then you go further to Stargate, that's family. That is that feeling that a mom has when that first kick occurs. I haven't seen you, I haven't held you, I have not inhaled your presence, but I love you. It's also that love that's felt when your whole world is falling apart and you get that hug and that whisper that says, it's going to be okay. And so what? I was 45. I needed to hear that. 
because that's love. What if every household in our community just had Stargate? How different would our world be? And then, of course, there's agape. That perfect love. That unconditional love. That love that saved us. That's power. We've come this far by faith. Leaning on the Lord. Trusting in his holy word. God's word says that love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices in truth. Truth. Oh, I hear a theme today. Love rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. I think we get now what is love. That's the starting point. Now let's answer this question, who do I love? Because we, we err in that category. Now we're told by scripture to love God. Okay, that's the start. Love our neighbor. And even in there is, and ourselves, right? But guys, we're even told to love our enemy. So I ask you who's left? Who's left? Throw the dog and cat in there, but like who's left? Love. So now we know what is love. We know who to love. We need to know that love is required. It's, it's, it's not optional, guys. It's required. And it's a love anyhow requirement. Love despite. Love despite your fear. Love past your hurt. Love through your pain. Love while disappointed. Love while standing alone. Love. Anyhow. You see, because sometimes we find ourselves putting Tina Turner on repeat. What's love got to do, got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> I'm telling you the answer so you don't have to keep playing that song. Let Tina rest. You want to know what? Everything. That's the answer. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Because when you don't love, we create a space, a void for hate to go in. And when that void is there, guess what? Joy gets killed. Possibility is stolen. Families and communities are destroyed. When we don't love, we open the door for kill, steal, and destroy. But wait, we have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. Kill, steal, destroy. God's word told me that that was the assignment of the enemy, the adversary, your foe. When you don't love, you open the door and invite the enemy to take up dominion. What are you doing? 
But you have to decide. But I'm saying it's not an option for any of us. So here's the call to action. Love more. Wherever your starting point is, go beyond it. Because now we know what love is. We know who. We know it's not an option. But let's get the measure right. Love more. So, quick question. This is where the family talks. How many of us could use a little more love in our life? <laughs> right. Exactly. So this is what we're going to do. Because I want to make sure you get it. Look at somebody and tell you you love them. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel the energy of the room? Did you feel what? I, kn I know this table wanted to get up and start hugging people. Like, I was like, no, sit down. That was not the instruction. That's what happens. So your assignment is this. When you go to bed tonight, sit and think on how much love did I experience today? Count it up. We'll start from right now. You got at least two I loves you. Right, right? Two, three, maybe four. Yeah. So tomorrow's assignment is love more. So if you got four, tomorrow is. Uh, see, I'm scared. I'm scared. If you got, if you got four, you're going to get this. I told you I love to teach. If you got four, tomorrow you must at least give yeah, as long as you say something more than four, I'm pleased as a teacher. Because you know in classrooms you have overachievers, right? I love it. Yes, go for it. That's it. Because we cannot ever measure and realize love hasn't gone far. That will kill us as a civilization. So I want you to have this visual. You're taking a trip to somewhere you want to go. And a place you've really been thinking about. Exactly. We've been thinking about it. We've been locked down, and then we got out of lockdown, and then the economy. Like, now everything costs three times as much. Like, whoa, I was thinking about this trip, and now it's $4,000. Anyway, so think about somewhere you want to go. Now, imagine somebody that you absolutely love and adore going with you. Yes. That's it. Woo-hoo. Yes. That's it. That's what we're talking about. That's our journey moving forward. But I also want you to stop and think about, now if they're sitting next to you, don't look at them, but listen. Think about that person that is a drain. Whew, hard. Because they, 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 they're still embracing negativity. They're still holding on to disappointment. They... Who the sun is day? Why the sun so bright? Like that—that's them. Imagine that trip that you were taking with your love, but they gotta come too. But <laughs> it changes for some of us. Somebody in the room was like, "I'm not taking the trip." That's—that's that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Stay home. Not doing it. Exactly. That's what happens when there's an absence 
of love. We carry that person with us, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He never failed me yet. Who singing oh, 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 oh. Can't turn around. We've come this far by faith. Love more. Thank you. Denisha said that she believes that everyone deserves to live life and love every moment of it. Didn't you all just enjoy this moment? Didn't you all just love this moment? Let's give her another hand. Ooh, that was good. And she gave us one more love. So tomorrow we're going to just up it again, right? Okay. So at this time, uh, thank you so much again, Denisha, but at this time we want to welcome Walter Goodwin. We're going to bring him back as he is going to present some awards. I almost said amen, y'all. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Denisha. Thank you so, so much for that word on love and um, giving us uh, strict instructions to love. So thank you for that. Um, I have the honor now of presenting um, the Concordia University MLK Student Leadership Award. Um, it was developed to honor students who are making faithful and significant contributions to their community through their time, actions, talents, and dedication. Um, the honoree selected should serve as a role model for compassion and a faithful uh, service and be striving to make the world a better place. They should illustrate a passion for helping others in his or her community. Um, the winner of this award is Natasia Swope. She is not present today. She's not present today. But her mom is going is is um, here to receive it. But before that, let me just tell you a little bit about Natasia. Natasia is a senior, majoring in public health, and maintains a 3.0 plus GPA. She serves as an RA and an academic senator with the student government. Lastly, she is also um, active in various service activities on as well as off campus. Um, I have the sincere honor of presenting the Concordia MLK Student Leadership Award to Natasia Swope. Um, in her stead, her mother, Allison Lewinsky, will come to receive the award. Amen. This is her mom. Let's give her mom um, a hand as she comes. And we'll be taking uh, pictures afterwards, um, so stick around, okay? Awesome. Awesome. All right. I think I'm presenting another award. Let me get it. I have the honor of presenting the Concordia University MOK Staff Leadership Award, which recognizes outstanding community service contributions made by faculty or administrative staff to the Concordia University community. 
Relevant activities include leading um, the charge by serving um, as inspiration to others through continued commitment with the university or general community and or providing a positive impact on individuals through service um, to university individuals or projects. This person must illustrate a true heart of service and be faithful in all their efforts. There is no one more deserving and exemplifies the spirit of this award than Susan M. Kanas. It is with great honor and pride to present the Concordia University MLK Staff Leadership Award to no other than our own, our own, and she's mad at me for this. She was so mad when I told her she won this award. Susan Kanas. <laughs> Okay, y'all gave me permission, amen. Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> you know, it's always nice to be recognized by your own colleagues and peers who are supporting you and encouraging you. And it's also nice when we're teaching the young people and recognizing them as well for their work. So I wanna take a moment again to acknowledge and celebrate both of those recipients on today. So thank you again, um, Walter. And just as a reminder, we are broadcasting live on the new 101.7 The Truth, WGKB-FM. And right now, Angela Brooks is coming to present the MLK Business Service Award, followed by a musical selection from Trina Gladney from the Christ of King Baptist Church. Please come in that order. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Congratulations, Sue. She is amazing. <laughs> Her and Jill are my favorites on Fridays because they do popcorn Fridays. And so I, I would always get lost on Fridays and end up in their office somehow, somehow. <laughs> anyway, I have the privilege of presenting another award. I love this time because we get to recognize people on this wonderful event, our second annual MLK um, Prayer Brunch. And so the award that I am presenting is the Concordia University MLK Business Leadership Award. And this award recognizes a company or organization who on a regular basis contributes to the overall quality of life in their community through endeavors that support community service, programs or events, volunteer groups or activities. The winner of this award is a business that makes a positive difference in the community and improves its overall well-being. When you think about this award, it represents at its core a company that fits every aspect of what it means to not only serve the community, but transform it into something that makes God smile. You can't help but to think about our next award recipient. They are truly faithful in service. The person is pastor and shepherd of El Bethel Church of God in Christ, <laughs> who has a number of ministries that serve, give, and minister to the community. They also serve in the role as an adjunct faculty member here at Concordia University, so we're blessed to have them in our presence as well. I have the pleasure of presenting to you the 2023 Concordia University MLK Business Leadership Award recipient, Dr. Steve 
Tipton, pastor of El Bethel Baptist Church. Church of God in Christ, everybody. <laughs> El Bethel Church of God in Christ, okay? And I think I said it earlier, but it was a typo. I apologize. But we got to get it right, okay? Congratulations. All right, can I get another amen? <laughs>
is my all and all. Yes, listen. God is the joy and the strength of my life. He moves all pain, misery, and strife. He promised to keep me, never to leave me. He'll never, never fall short in his word. I've got to fast and pray, stay in that narrow way. I've got to keep my life clean every day. I want to go with him. When he comes back, I've come too far, and I'll never turn back. God is, God is, God is my God is, yeah. strength of my life he moves all pain misery and strife he promised to keep me never to leave me he's never never come short in his word i've got to fast and pray stay in that narrow way keep my life clean every day I want to go with him when he comes back. I've come too far and I'll never turn back. 
since Denisha told us to take Tina off a of repeat, <laughs> that was God Is by Reverend James Cleveland. So if you need to YouTube him and put something on repeat, just a little bit of God Is, my all and all. Just a little bit of God Is the joy and the strength of my life. He removes all pain, misery, and strife. He promised to keep me and never to leave me. He's never fallen short of his word. I know, it's Saturday. All right, all right, all right. Is it good yet? Loving every minute of it. Loving every minute of it. Woo, that was good to me. Now, I get the distinct honor and pleasure of introducing our keynote for today. I'm so honored, I'm so humbled to be able to do this. Now I understand we have a little bit more time, so what I wanna do is, and I realize and I recognize that she is a introvert, so it is an honor to tell her story, cause she may never tell it. But she is a businesswoman, and this is Mrs. Melva Henderson. She is a solutionist, a ministry leader who serves as CEO of Henderson House Publishing and Bookstores. She is also the founder of World Bible Training Institute and vice president of World Outreach and Bible Training Center, in where, Inc., where she and husband Irvin have trained and developed thousands, say thousands, thousands of ministry leaders. Melva is the host of Discipling the Nation, a global radio broadcast and former host of the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Melva is an author, a columnist, whose blogs and writings have been featured in global publications. Somebody say global. global. Her philanthropic work includes the Little Feet of Mexico, the Delmos Eco Village of South Africa, and the Milwaukee Give, all humanitarian efforts aimed at providing shelter, food, shoes, and clothing to the underserved. Say providing. providing. That's what she does. Melville was named Woman of Distinction by Milwaukee Magazine in 2019, and she was 2015 Top 100 Leader Award nominee by John Maxwell. She is a certified life coach and member of the International John Maxwell Leadership Team. Melville holds a master's degree in missional leadership and received an honorary doctorate. Say honor. Honorary doctorate for her exemplary work and outstanding leadership globally. Say globally one more time. Melva is a wife, a mother of five, and grandmother of four. Please help me welcome Pastor Melva Henderson. I am so, so, so honored to be here today. You know, I, 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 this is my first time on the grounds of Concordia. And when I pulled up on the grounds and, you know, Walter didn't give us good instructions on where to come. <laughs> I just, just gonna throw him under the bus right there. But I didn't know where to go. But you know, when I came up and I, I hit the lake, something hit me. And as I continue to drive around, I just begin to say, God, thank you. I don't know what I'm going into today, but I want to thank you for this opportunity. 
And I really thought I was going to come into a room with a bunch of stiff-necked academic folks, you know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I just, you know, and I wasn't going to be able to, you know, really be me. But I tell you that song, Denisha, the amens, I'm just like, all right, I'm at home. I'm at home and it's all right. It's all right. So I want to thank you all for having me. And I want to begin by thanking Walter. I did a little dig at you, but you know, I love you, brother. I've known Walter for many years. And it's just an honor to be here, and I want to honor all of the clergy and everybody that's in leadership here at Concordia. I want to just share, just for the time that I've been allocated, just about the faith of Dr. Martin Luther King. We've all been impacted by his life in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, when I, I saw that clip, I don't know what year that clip was, 1963 or something, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, it still gives me the chills today when I hear Dr. Martin Luther King speak. And so this is an honor. I've spoken on campuses before, but this is the first time that I get to talk about Dr. Martin Luther King, and I'm excited about it. But I want to begin today talking a little bit about the civil rights movement. And I know that all of us know what that is, but I don't think that we can really, really talk about Dr. Martin Luther King if we don't start at the beginning, you know, and really address his why, why he became the man that he is. And so I want to talk a little bit about the civil rights movement and maybe give us a little flashback in history. But the civil rights movement was a movement in the United States in the 1950s and 60s that aimed to end racial discrimination and segregation against African-Americans. That movement was sparked by a long history of institutionalized racism and discrimination against black people in the United States, including slavery, segregation, and voting rights restrictions. African Americans faced discrimination and segregation in many areas of life, including education, housing, employment, and voting and they were denied equal access to public facilities and services and were often the victims of violence and police brutality. The civil rights movement was successful in achieving many of its goals, including the end of legal segregation, the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And although we unfortunately still see some of it today, these laws prohibited discrimination on the basis of race in housing, education, and employment, and ensured that all Americans had the right to vote. It also led to a greater awareness of racial inequality and discrimination and helped to usher in a new era of social and political change in the United States. There were figures like Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, and Dr. Martin Luther King and others who organized and led protests, boycotts, and other forms of nonviolent civil disobedience to draw attention to the issues and demand change. They also worked to change laws and policies through the courts and the political process. And today we want to focus on one of those leaders, 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King was a Baptist minister and a civil rights leader who was a key figure in the civil rights movement. His faith played a central role in his work as a civil rights leader and his religious beliefs heavily influenced, heavily, heavenly, heavily influenced his philosophy of nonviolence and civil disobedience. And I wanna to share today how Dr. King's faith impacted his journey and how what we know about his life teaches us about his tenets. To begin, Dr. King's faith was deeply rooted in the principles of love, forgiveness, and nonviolence. He believed that these principles were essential to the struggle for civil rights and that they were in line with the teachings of the Word of God and Jesus Christ. He often spoke about the importance of love and forgiveness in the face of hatred and violence. And he urged his followers to respond to injustice with love and compassion whenever the opportunity presented itself. The impact of his faith is seen as Dr. King repeatedly and consistently emphasized the power of love in his speeches and his writings. For example, in his 1957 sermon, Love Your Enemies, he said that love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And that statement is consistent with a Bible scripture that we find in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number seven, that says, when your ways please the Lord, he will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Then in 1963, in his I Have a Dream speech, he said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so we find a similar quote in John chapter 1, verse number 5, where it states that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And then once again in 1957, when he was speaking at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, he spoke these powerful and memorable words on the power of love when he said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. If you look in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 15, it states everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so what we see is that Dr. King was arguing that returning hate for hate would only lead to more hate and darkness. And that the only way to overcome hate was through the power of love and forgiveness. And so these quotes and many others like these provide a view into Dr. King's beliefs and his value system often referencing scriptures without quoting them verbatim, he argues that love would have to be the reigning force in our lives if there were ever to be victory over hatred and over violence. Dr. King believed in the power of love to bring people together and to create a more just and equal society. Right there you can say amen. See, Dr. King's philosophy of nonviolence was heavily influenced by his faith. 
And he believed that violence was not an effective means of achieving change and that it only served to perpetuate a cycle of hatred and more violence. Instead, he advocated for peaceful protest and civil disobedience as a means of achieving change. He believed that this approach was in line with the teachings of Jesus, who urged his followers to love their enemies and to turn the other cheek. Look at your neighbor and say, turn the other cheek. And so this principle, you all, of turning the other cheek, what it means is that you respond to aggression or violence with nonviolence and forgiveness. And we all know that that's not an easy thing to do. But Dr. King believed that this principle was essential to the civil rights movement and that it would ultimately lead to the defeat of racism and segregation. And here's some examples of how turning other cheek worked in Dr. King's favor. The boycott in Montgomery, Alabama, the bus boycott of 1955, after the arrest of Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her seat on a bus. Dr. King and the Montgomery Improvement Association called for a boycott of the city's buses. And that boycott lasted for 385 days. And it was met with violence and harassment from white supremacists. But Dr. King and the boycott leaders advocated for nonviolent resistance. And they urged boycotters to turn the other cheek and not respond violence with violence. The boycott was ultimately successful in desegregating the city's buses. Another example of turning the other cheek is the Birmingham campaign of 1963, where peaceful protesters were met with police dogs and high pressure water hoses. Dr. King and other leaders of the campaign encouraged the demonstrators to remain nonviolent and to turn the other cheek in the face of such violent repression. And so Dr. King's commitment to nonviolence and his ability to turn the other cheek in the face of adversity helped to garner support for the civil rights movement and it ultimately contributed to the eventual passing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so Dr. King's examples of turning the other cheek and his commitment to nonviolence provided powerful examples of the effectiveness of nonviolent resistance. And it helped to change the hearts and minds of the people, many people, not everybody, but many people in the United States and even around the world. So let's talk for a moment about how his tenets of faith played out through his life personally and professionally. Dr. King was a charis charismatic, influential leader in the civil rights movement. His leadership style was characterized by several key traits. And I got this as I was reading and studying and, and paying attention to his videos. He was a visionary. King had a clear vision of what he wanted to achieve. And he was able to communicate that vision in a powerful and inspiring way. He believed in the power of nonviolence and love to overcome racism and segregation. And he was able to rally others to that cause. The other thing that I noted about him was that he was a collaborator. 
King believed in the power of collective action, and he worked closely with other civil rights leaders and organizations. He was a founding member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and worked closely with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and other groups to coordinate efforts and achieve common goals. Dr. King was inspirational. He was a gifted speaker and orator, and his speeches were powerful and inspiring. You know, if you can look back all these years and you can still watch a video and still get goosebumps, you know he had something on him, right? And so he used his speeches to mobilize people to build momentum for the civil rights movement. Dr. King was committed, deeply committed to the civil rights movement and was willing to make significant sacrifices for the cause. He was arrested and imprisoned multiple times and his family received numerous death threats. Despite these challenges, he remained committed to the cause and continued to lead the movement. Then he finally, he was strategic, meaning that he was strategic in his thinking. He carefully planned and executed actions and campaigns. He was known for his ability to identify opportunities to build momentum and bring attention to the civil rights movement. And he also had a deep understanding of the media and he used it to his advantage to build support for the movement. And so what we see is that Dr. King's tenets of faith came through his leadership style and was instrumental in the success of the civil rights movement. His ability to inspire and mobilize people to work collaboratively with others and to think strategically helped to achieve significant progress in the fight for racial equality and justice. And so his life also teaches us about the importance of love, the importance of forgiveness in the face of hatred and violence. He showed us that responding to injustice with these elements is more effective than achieving change with violence. He also taught us that it's possible to overcome hatred with love and compassion. Dr. King believed in the power of community and the importance of working together for a common goal. And he would often use religious imagery and language in his speeches and his writings, drawing on the Bible and teachings of Jesus to inspire and motivate his followers. His faith also gave him the strength and the courage to persevere in the face of adversity. As previously said, he faced numerous death threats and physical violence, but he never wavered in his commitment or the cause for civil rights. And a lot of times he spoke about the power of faith to overcome fear and hatred, and he urged his followers to have the same faith and courage that he had. And I was watching the other night this excerpt of the message that he preached when he talked about Jesus having to come, having a face-to-face -face moment, if you will, with Jesus. And in that sermon, he talked about the fact that he had received a death threat. And he said he had received many, but there was something different about this death threat. In this death threat, the man said that he was going to kill not only him, but he was going to kill his children, his wife, and anybody that was associated with him. 
And in this sermon or this speech, what Dr. King tells is the story of how he went to his knees. And it gave me a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he said that he fell to his knees. And he said to the Lord, I'm weak. And I'm sure that he had many weak moments. But what he did is he went back to God because he was a man of faith. And he believed that no matter what may have been going on around him, that the God that he trusted and the God that he believed in would give him the strength that he needed to overcome. Amen. And he did. And so in conclusion, Dr. King's faith played a central role in his mission as a civil rights leader and his religious beliefs heavily influenced his philosophy of nonviolence and civil disobedience. He used his faith, faith as a source of strength, courage, and inspiration in the face of, adverse, of adversity. Excuse me. His life and his teachings continue to inspire, inspire people of all faiths to work for justice and equality. And he taught us, and he taught us well about the power, again, of love, forgiveness, nonviolence, as a means to achieve change and to have faith and courage when things are difficult. His legacy continues to live on. His legacy continues to inspire people to this day. And I just believe that those of us that are in the community, in the faith community, that we've got some tall shoes to fill. But I believe that the same God that empowered Dr. Martin Luther King in his day to achieve the things that he was called to achieve, that same God has empowered us to achieve the things that we have been called to achieve. God bless you. Thank you. know about y'all i feel tired I feel like i've worked worked out you know you know that feeling when you finish your workout and you just don't have no energy i'm gonna take me a good nap when i get get back to the house today but uh thank you so much everyone for coming out to help us celebrate and commemorate the memory of dr martin luther king oh my goodness it seems like we've gone everywhere right while well, we've gotten word we've gotten a song. Um, man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. So thank you so much for coming again. Thank you um, for 101.7 The Truth um, for broadcasting. Um, thank you so much Celeste for being such an incredible MC. Let's give her a hand. Um, thank you so much, um, Jill and Sue. I didn't bring you uh, uh, flowers um, today. I brought them last year, but expect that you know they'll be delivered. Thank you so much, Sue. Sue and Jill were instrumental in bringing this um, together. They are my right, left hand, foot, ankle, toes, everything, eyes, and ears. So I love you with the love of the Lord, and I appreciate your help in making this event what it is. Um, I want to again thank uh, American Family. They, as I said, were the, the funders of this event. Um, if you had uh, walked through the hallways, 
um, and notice the uh, um, Better Together um, art gallery. That artwork um, was uh, because of the generous donation from uh, American Family. We were able to put together a Better Together um, art gallery. So if you have it um, and you get lost, um, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Pastor Henderson, that um, I didn't send those things. I would do better next time. <laughs> Love you so much. Love you so much. But um, take a take a gander um, through there, and you uh, take a look at the, the artwork. As I said, that we were able to um, purchase. It is definitely king centric. Um, a lot of uh, artwork, um, you know, of him um, that um, that we were able um, to purchase. Um, so with that, um, if my brother uh, in Christ, Pastor uh, Steve Tipton, can uh, join me at the stage, and if you could offer a prayer out for safety, safety, um, and um, this um, event, I would appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Hey, Amen. What a wonderful event. Thank you for the delicious food and beautiful fellowship. Can we just bow our heads as... We've heard today we're family, so let's bow our heads and let's ask God for the benediction, which means the last blessing before we go. There's one more blessing for you. Let's pray. Father, we first want to say thank you for all of your blessings and your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, and Lord, for watching us last night and then waking us up this morning. Thank you for the love that's in this room and the fellowship. Thank you for my brothers and our sisters. We thank you for the message that sharing with us the life of Dr. King. Lord, we pray that you use us for your glory, that we may touch each other live and leave here sharing the love that you put in our hearts. Now, Lord, we pray your blessings that we leave this place. I pray safety over them, over your children, over your people. As they go in and out, watch over them. Give them angelic escorts to watch over them as they go. And, Lord, we pray that you be our strength and bring us back together in joy and peace. And we give you all praise, glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I think that's it. Uh, you know, let's fellowship. <laughs> amen. <laughs> This has been the MLK Prayer Brunch, sponsored by American Family Insurance and presented by Concordia University, Wisconsin. 